Hi, I'm Dale Sherbeck, and welcome to the HQ, a CHA Learning Healthcare Can podcast serial where we dive into healthcare issues and topics from the perspective of its people and discuss them with those that are leading in the health system. Together, we'll try to unpack these topics and learn what actions are being taken to innovatively solve them today. I'm very proud that through the HQ, we have been able to dedicate numerous conversations here to the critical issue of equity, diversity, and inclusion. And while we have committed ourselves to the goal of creating a safe space for different voices and perspectives as we collectively seek to learn and grow, the perpetual question of how to create a culture change continues to be a challenge for many organizations. As we have heard from several of our guests, creating inclusive workspaces where all can safely belong and be themselves is not only a socially just thing to do, it is also good for business. And indeed, in the context of our HHR crisis, where organizations are prioritizing both the recruitment of new staff and the retention of their workforce, fostering a diverse and inclusive culture is mission critical in the truest sense of the word. But how do you achieve this mission? How do you get everyone on board? How do you make and lead this change? Well, that is the focus of today's conversation. So with that, let me introduce you to today's guests who will share their work and experience in bringing to life a culture of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Beverly Kravitz is the Director of Human Resources, Communications, Legal Affairs, and Global Security for the University Integrated Health and Social Services Centre for the West Central Montreal, aka the SIUS. She has held this position since the SIUS's creation in 2015. For those of you not familiar with the SIUS, it is comprised of nine healthcare institutions and 34 member facilities, including the internationally renowned Jewish General Hospital, along with frontline clinics, rehabilitation and long-term care sites, and the university-affiliated research institutions. In total, this use has over 13,000 employees that provide a seamless continuum of care to nearly 400,000 patients, residents, and users in one of Canada's most diverse catchments. Bev began her legal career in 1988 after having completed her civil and common law studies at McGill University. She joined the Jewish General Foundation in 2002 after 15 years in the private sector when she became the Director of Planned Giving, Strategic Planning and General Counsel with the Foundation, a position she held in 2007 when she was appointed as the Hospital Director of Human Resources and Legal Affairs. Among her many accomplishments, she takes great pride in having led her organization to be recognized as one of Montreal's top employers every year since 2013. Bev is proud to be part of an institution that prides itself on delivery of first-class care in a dignified manner while continuing to innovate and seek out better ways of caring for our population, wherever they may be. Care everywhere is their model. I'm also pleased to be joined by Christine Morin, who is a trained in social work and has taught psychosocial intervention for approximately 18 years in Quebec, where she conducted several institutional projects linked to inclusion of a diversity in higher education. In the past 10 years, she also acted as a researcher in the field of inclusion at the Research Center for Inclusion of People with Disabilities, CRISPESH, developing specific expertise on inclusion of people with disability in the workplace, inclusion of diversity in higher education, and professional development through reflexive learning. She also acted as a development manager for CRISPISH and provided support to organizations in the development of their DEI efforts. Christine began her work at the CEO Center West in April 2022 with a mandate to develop and implement a DIB strategy for this use. 
this DIB initiative recently launched, which is why I'm pleased to welcome both to our podcast today. So hi, Beverly and Christine, and welcome to the HQ. Hi, Dale. Thank you for having us. Very happy to be here. Yes. Hi, I'm very happy to be here as well. So, yeah, I'm, I know that uh, the conversation will be, I think, uh, very helpful for many other organizations which are um, taking their own steps on this journey uh, towards building um, safe spaces for all those that they employ and, and, and serve. So, Bev, I'm wondering if we can start the conversation with how this started for you and, and your work um, at the Jewish General and, and this use. Um, and certainly without putting you on the spot or pointing any fingers about, you know, where was that point of recognition in terms of you had an opportunity or that there was a, you know, something that you hadn't done in your organization that you wanted to take on? With pleasure, Dale. It was uh, several years actually before the uh, COVID epidemic that we all uh, know so well. Mm-hmm. I was at a health, a U.S. healthcare conference. Um for HR, and I was noticing that every organization there seemed to have a DEI officer, and they were giving talks or just part of the conversations. And I and I remember at one of the breaks, I was speaking with somebody, and they asked us about our own DEI initiative. And arrogantly or innocently, I felt we are so incredibly diverse. You know, we're there already. And they said, "Okay, that's really nice that you're diverse, but are you inclusive?" And I said, well, what do you mean? And that started that whole conversation and thought process that it's very nice that we've invited everybody to the dance, but do they get to choose the music and the type of dance that they do and so on and so forth? And knowing that this was a it was already a quite a large movement in the States, but it was moving north rapidly as well for, for different perspectives and different reasons. And I, and I knew if we were going to continue to be um, an employer of choice and doing the right thing, we needed to make sure that everybody working within our walls were included, appreciated, recognized, and felt safe and happy with us. And that started the process. And three years later, very excited that Christine was able to join us. And we started our our mission together that we'll talk more about. I just want to add before we move on, Mm -hmm. we're we're coming full circle. Christine and I, along with another colleague, will be going back to that conference in October to talk about what we've been doing ever since they lit the spark for our initiative. Wonderful. I hope you get questions in return. So and others will follow you. So. Um, so maybe with that as a as an introduction, Christine, um, as I outlined in my introduction, you know, certainly many organizations are trying to figure this out um, and to sort of sincerely, you know, integrate these tenants within their their own missions and um, and, and programs. So. Can we just maybe start with maybe outlining a little bit about what is this initiative that you you've been leading? Um, you know, how have you approached it, and and what do you think sets it apart from others that others may be doing out there? Mm, good questions. Um, I would start to say that you know to follow up on what Bev has already uh, mentioned, Quebec maybe is a bit of a late bloomer in terms of DEI work in public organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, it started in higher education a couple of years ago, like a good. 10 years ago uh, for different various reasons related to, um, you know, uh, funding of research. 
um, mainly. Um, and, you know, we can say that it's completely new to healthcare. The public healthcare system in Quebec has not been having a strong tradition of DEI work. So it's hard to compare within our own province, within our own, you know, public system in terms of healthcare. So, but when we started to think about how are we going to develop this DEIB initiative, so diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, which was super important for us as an organization, mm -hmm. for all the good, the, the good reasons that we know already, you know, fostering a sense of belonging is completely tied to engagement, but it's also completely tied in the research to how people are feeling they're being treated fairly and being included with all their identities. So, so that belonging element, which is like the secret ingredient in the sauce, is something we're really after. And so how do we do that uh, as super context specific, right? We have to be mindful of the global context, which was uh, post-pandemic slash pandemic still in healthcare at the time when I arrived. So, so that means what for healthcare? The teams were tired, you know, huge fatigue. Um, uh, the, the healthcare system in Quebec has been through a lot in terms of administrative changes in the past decades. So that also brings its load of, you know, some kind of fatigue, uh, you know, top-down directorate, top-down instructions. Sometimes it's super helpful, but sometimes it's a bit, it can feel a little bit disempowering. And so mm -hmm. I felt like the context really mattered in terms of how we're going to set this up and what orientations we're going to choose to develop DEIB and organization without it being an additional strain to anyone or everyone. So, so the idea that, that we want people to feel like they belong means we have to care about what they have to say and where they can get involved. So we've decided we were going to take a journey of a bottom-up approach, um, which means we're going to co-create this initiative uh, with our communities. So mm -hmm. working in healthcare, you know, we, you know, the scope of the work that has to be done is so large. You know, ultimately, yes, we do. Um, we do. Uh, we are very mindful of working towards health equity for the populations we serve and the users of our communities. But uh, we have to make sure, first and foremost, that the teams um, that are providing the services and the 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 healthcare services and the social services that we're providing are feeling like they belong and they're treated fairly and they're included as employees, as team members, as uh, as managers as well. So we are trying in for the next couple of years to be working towards the first fold of the DEIB initiative, which is uh, tackling the question of DEI, DEIB for our internal community, which is the students, the workers, uh, the volunteers, the residents, etc. And so uh, ultimately when we build together that common understanding of what is DEI, what does it mean to be equitable and inclusive in a team or as a colleague, as a manager, uh, and all that it entails, um, we'll be able to, you know, transfer that knowledge and that newly gained perspective to the work we do with the users in the community. So, so that bottom-up approach is really dear to us and it's really at the center of what we do. Thank you. So, um, how do you approach, I guess, the, the different people that might be involved in this um, in terms of their own uh, willingness, I guess, to participate in this, um, right, to make the changes that um, you're asking of them? Uh, you know, is it a because you're saying it, it's a it's a bottom up approach, but yeah. you're bringing like an ideology right from the top, I guess, to to, to encourage that. So 
where do they get on board with this um, and, um, and, and I guess make a decision that they are going to take this journey with you? Well, I, I guess, I'll... yeah, go ahead, Beverly. I was just going to start and I knew you would, uh, you would finish off for me. It was important that we had, you know, the enthusiastic buy-in and support from the senior leadership. Because we, if we were going to start to do something just on our own and there wasn't that support at the highest level, then I think we'd be failing rather quickly. Mm -hmm. And so one of our first steps were to present and speak with the senior leadership and make sure that they were supporting this initiative and not just supporting it in a way as to say, okay, Christine, go do it. They have to support it because they need to be part of the process as well. And we did get enthusiastic support from our senior leadership. Great start. We mm -hmm. have more work to do for sure. And as we started to reach out to our, our, our community, a lot of comments were received like, it's about time. We're so happy you're doing this. This is great. How can I help? So, so far we're, we're receiving quite great feedback and support, which is really gratifying. Yeah. Thanks, Bev um, and, and Christine. And, and yes. to, yeah, to add to this, you know, so so I don't know if we want to present an ideology, you know, per se, mm -hmm. but you know, the organization chose to put together this DIB initiative because it's important and it's, as you mentioned in your introduction, to us, it's mission critical. If we want to provide the best superior quality care, if we want to be the uh, at the forefront of innovation and teaching, excellence in teaching and, and uh, developing new knowledge and new practices, then, you know, um, doing the DIB work really matters. So, so, so it's an organizational decision and, we're not in a mental, you know, the, the mindset we're coming with to do this work is to be very mindful. I was saying earlier, it's context specific, but we also have to be very mindful of what the workers today are facing. You know, a yeah. lot of hours, everyone has a full-time job. Not everyone is doing what I do, being working full-time in DIB. So we need time to incorporate uh, or to understand better or to gain a common understanding of what is diversity. Because I could think that diversity is X, Y, Z, and someone else could think it's ABC. And we, we're seeing that different countries have different views on what diversity is. Um, and so, so to gain this common knowledge of what we at CIO Centre West see um, as DIB is, is an important step forward. But we have to be mindful of the time it takes to incorporate this new understanding, this new learning, and that co-learning, the co-learning spaces will need to be created, as well as the co-creation spaces. And this is something we already have started. So we are trying to um, embed the values of DEI, which is transparency, access to opportunities, um, you know, to, to, to make sure that we uh, bring forward opportunities for people to get involved. Yeah. We have I've put together a DIB committee that started last year. It's been a year already. Um, there was a call to all. People got the chance to apply to be on the committee. Um, there were Everyone was interviewed. Uh, the community is fantastic. They were so uh, responsive. And so everything that has come out is mostly going out through calls to all to make sure that everyone has an opportunity. And we're looking for a diversity of profession, diversity of, you know, um, profiles to be on those on those working on those uh, on that specific uh, DIB committee, but also on the working groups. So um, 
So um, providing opportunities is the first step for people to engage or to have the opportunity to engage. Um, the work that I do is transversal in the organization, meaning it's across all directorates. Mm -hmm. So different projects will start with different directorates and different teams according to the needs also they have in those teams and directorates. So um, that's another way to reach out uh, to our internal community. Um, so, so far we are not working on an imposition basis, but we're um, making sure that people who want to get involved, want to know more, want to move forward with DIB and their heart and their mind and their will uh, can do so. Um, we are working this year to provide uh, access to a large uh, consultation to make sure that we we're starting this project as a research project with this research institute uh, that works in DEI in Quebec. And the idea is to get a point zero of how are people feeling regarding diversity? What's their experience of diversity, um, equity, inclusion, and belonging in our organization? Where are we uh, doing great and where is there room for improvement? Uh, what's the priority according to them? So we want to understand better how they feel about um about DIB and their daily life at work uh, so that we can have a global picture and move the needle further for the future years to come. And that consultation will give us also, will give um, the internal community an opportunity for expressing how they are feeling regarding this, but also um, what they see as a priority. And this will help to see, this will help me and help us as an organization to see what are the issues that are transversal. We, we You were mentioning earlier, we have 34 sites. Uh, so it means it, this, the situation will not be the same in each and every site. Uh, so the belonging element, the diversity, yeah. um, related questions, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea will be, do we have transversal um, common uh, questions or preoccupations that could be uh, incorporated in a first plan of action for our organization. So the co-creation of that first plan of action is important is an important step to move the needle. Um, but as I said earlier, we're not like trying to um, strong arm anybody and in getting involved at this stage. It's more about bringing informed knowledge to the table and discussing, having opportunities to have different views, but informed knowledge is important because society is evolving and the way uh, we understand uh, different identities, let's say, is very different than how we used to understand them 20 years ago. So, so yeah, for now, we're really uh, trying to co-create that learning, those learning spaces to make sure that we already cater to the needs because a lot of workers, a lot of professionals, a lot of managers are already raising their hand and saying, hey, I have this need. Can you help me with this and that and this? I have questions. How could I do this? And so, so it's already started before even I arrived, you know, preoccupation was already there. And, and so people who are frontline workers, professionals are dealing already with uh, um, different uh, challenges tied to DEI and how do they incorporate that in their practice and their, as, a, as an organization, how can, be, how can we be more welcoming in terms of the population we serve, which is the end goal, obviously, of this uh, of this adventure. Yeah, I think certainly a lot that's sort of covered in what you've been describing. One is, I mean, I I think it's great that you're you're building in the research component and the data that will come that will continue to allow you to measure um, your success and also to, to to learn and and to iterate, I guess, your improvement cycle. Um, mm -hmm. 
certainly, I mean, our, our, our listeners can't see your faces and therefore can't see the, I think, the compassion and, and, um, and passion that you both bring to the work that you're doing. Um, but I, I hope that they can hear it. Um, but certainly, I mean, you've emphasized the co-creation element, co-design part of that, um, and also not strong-arming people, I think, in your language, um, that, you know, people will be part of the process, they will move at their own space or pace um, to, to, um, uh, to adapt to this, um, this big change. Um, and your organization does sound like there is a certain amount of readiness that maybe was already implicit in terms of taking this on based on the enthusiastic responses you've been getting to people um, participating. However, and I know that maybe you're not there yet, and maybe it will, you know, this is a, a question for the future. Um, you know, but I, I certainly you know, um, think about the Jim Collins's book and, and about good to great and, and his discussion about companies that were developing cultures that allowed them to be great um, about, I think the line in his book is, is about getting the right people on the bus um, uh, early on in, in the process. But he also, you know, I think is pragmatic or realistic that you also have to get the wrong people off the bus. Um, is that a question that you have grappled with in terms of your initiative? Um, and how will you manage that in terms of your effective um, pursuit of this mission? I think there's a few elements here. Number one, it's important to understand, you know, who our organizations are at their very essence. Many of many of them were created at a time to combat discrimination that existed in various, you know, eras. You know, mm -hmm. going back uh, seventy, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy years, and then some for different reasons and different levels. So, in the DNA of our various organizations that happen to be all grouped together, whether by design or not. I think there's like a, a DNA element that we are organizations by all for all. And, and that's a great starting point. Mm -hmm. Getting the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus, you know, that's constantly something that we have to look at, you know, for sure. Um, but, you know, I think if, if we're adapting or, or growing or responding to the needs in, in, in an effective way possible, a lot of that will happen organically uh, along the way. There was a thought I had, but it escaped me while you were <laughs> going wow. on with your question. And, you know, if it comes back to me, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. But sure. it, there, there, was, there, was, there was something I wanted to say. Um, but anyways, I'll turn it to Christine because I'm sure she has an yes. add-on for me. We, we tend to complement each other quite Go a bit. Go for it. Th thank you. Well, I, I was going to say, and I, maybe it's going to come back to you, Bev, and feel free to interrupt. Um, so, you know, getting the right people on the bus the, to, to, to re come to you back to your question. So, so it's, of course, it's one of our preoccupations in terms of an organization as a whole, you know, um, we want to make sure that we recruit the right employees for, you know, for the work that needs to be done here. But we also want to give them a chance to grow in the culture that we provide. And so the culture, the DI work, or DIB work is a, is a bit of a culture shift also. We're working on that. We're working on 
you know, uh, understanding better what is our culture today? How do we as an organization, which is nobody and everybody, uh, uh, viewing diversity? What are our organizational? Do we have biases as an organization and what are they? Uh, mm -hmm. We have to work on that assessment. And this is the work we're starting this year. And this is why the consultation is going to be part of that, right? So nobody is expecting for us to just find daisies and flowers and the road being paved of gold. Uh, you know, we know we have challenges. We're a large organization. There are mm -hmm. hidden, first of all, we have blind spots, and that's a that's important to uncover our blind spots as much as possible. And second of all, no, no organization is perfect. And so with the humility, uh, with as more as much as humility as we can, we want to take that road and discover where we need uh, it, it, like major improvement, where we need uh, fast improvement, where we need to to have a different perspective on issues. So I think that next couple of months will provide us with that. And why I'm saying that is we're having, so we're taking that route with the developmental approach and nobody's starting at the same point. Nobody will finish at the same point, but we need to make sure that everyone has a chance to grow and understand where we stand as an organization. And this is why the co-creation element is so important because we want to provide access to opportunity in terms of if I want to belong and I want to make sure that my voice is heard and I want to feel seen and I want to contribute, which is we know what the, you know, the workforce want to make a difference. They want to have their Voice. They have ideas, they have knowledge and expertise from their day-to-day -day work. Uh, so how can we benefit of that intelligence and that expertise and that knowledge? Well, that co-creation bit is important. And so um, so this is this is why all of this work is tailored the way it is, to make sure that we converge together to talk about what's not going well, talk about what's amazing, talk about where we need room for improvement, and that slowly and gradually we build a sandbox for our organization that is also complementary to the culture. Yes, we already have an inclusive culture, but is it everywhere? How can it be improved? How can we minimize bias, et cetera, et cetera? So, so the idea here will be once we have the data from the consultation, once we have the first plan of action that's been co-created and validated by our various communities, mm -hmm. you know, obviously the plan of action will have to to tailor for, um, you know, concerns and and uh, challenges that are really um, affecting most of the sites, not specific issues and specific. But once we move the needle on that, and we, um, the next step will be the co-creation of a, an organizational policy for DEIB. Or maybe not. We'll see what the community wants, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, it looks like that that may be the way where we want to go. And, and once we do that, it's a very formal way to design or, or, you know, delineate the sandbox we're working in. And so I think having this gradual approach where people feel that they really can be involved and be heard and be part of what we're crafting and the future we're working on, you know, it's like we're working with the future as it's emerging. So, so then we can have a sandbox that is also co-defined. And so hopefully the initial resistance of a minority of individual will have moved along that continuum because, you know, statistically speaking, most people are in favor, if not, you know, super favor of DEI yeah. work. Uh, you, you've mentioned it on a different podcast, you know, we want to do good. Mm -hmm. uh, the ethical aspects, you know, people working in healthcare, they, they are preoccupied by ethical questions all the time. So, so 
that's not the issue. Having resistance is a normal thing as a human. You know, we go through phases regarding resistance. And so uh, we, we are hoping that being involved and being heard and being part of is going to help for that. Um, yeah, I think, it, it, and that's certainly what's going to be my next question about how do you deal with the, you know, those natural fears and um, and resistances that you know any major change is going to uh, is going to bring about. Um, but I think you you've answered that. Um, well, I would maybe I would yeah. add one thing. Okay, you know, being we're trying to be very mindful of the capacity for people to absorb new information mm-hmm. and to get involved. Right, the time. The question of time is important here. We don't want to overburden anyone. We don't want to uh, press anyone to get involved in that endeavor. You know, we want to offer opportunities, but we also want to make sure that we leave enough time for people to be exposed, to hear about it, to um, to uh, to to be ex- you know to be, to have opportunities to 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 mingle with DIB, um, so that they don't feel pressured. Because I think everyone in the healthcare system right now is feeling like you know if they're not maxed out, they're pretty busy. So we want to make sure it's not a, seen as an additional constraint or burden, and that they can move along at their own pace, and that we've provided enough time. So I think that's also tackling some questions regarding resistance and fear, right? Is this another thing asked of me? Oh, if I have to start doing this tomorrow, I don't know where to begin and I don't have time for this. And I'm, I can sure be compassionate. I understand that. Yeah. Well, I, and I think as you're saying, I mean, I mean, evolution takes time and um, you can't show a, a caterpillar or a picture of a butterfly and say, you know, no <laughs> change. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, maybe coming back to you, Bev, I mean, so where does accountability lay for all of this? I I mean, is it with the individuals? Is it with managers, leaders? Is it with your HR department? Like where, who, who owns this and, and is accountable for it? We all do. Accountability is everywhere. Yes, we have Christine who comes with the knowledge and experience and background to help guide us through the process but it can't be her process and she can't do it alone on an island. So we need the support and the involvement at all levels. We say in Quebec, c'est la gestion de ressources humaines partagées. So it's shared responsibility for our people in in all areas. And we all have a role to play and we all have rights and responsibilities to ensure that how we interact with people are with respect and kindness and we're there to support and we're there to help people have their voice, be included, be part of the solution or the problem or resolving the problem or whatever it is that comes comes to the forefront. Everybody is here and everybody needs to be appreciated for what they're bringing to the table. Thank you. Um, Yeah, and I think you know, a distributed form of that, I think, is important in terms of, at some level, I think it's it's probably reflective of your um, inclusivity and um, uh, and co-design certain parts of those things. That it comes part and parcel of that. So, um, so maybe Christine, I can ask you another question that may be a bit more challenging as well. So, I mean. So in, in the concept of the diversity and the inclusion and belonging parts that you're describing, 
you've got lots of different, lots of different voices, lots of different people, different religions, different viewpoints and respect in all of that. So how do you find a way to balance that, those different voices and perspectives in the context of the work that you're doing to make sure that everybody still does feel the safety of, I guess, being themselves whilst, you know, uh, creating a, a space that, which is, I guess, true to the mission of the organization as a whole? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, we haven't seen everything just yet. Um, but I would say, first first of all, you know, we want to make sure that, yes, everyone can bring their whole selves to work. But we of, often joke about this with Beverly. You know, you we, we want to bring our whole self to work in relation to the mission of the organization, as you've just mentioned, you know. So it's not just anything. We want to make sure that it's based also it's it's tied or it's it's um, woven with informed knowledge regarding the best care of the patient, the best way to do uh, teaching or research. So we want to be mindful of the, that. And it's tied to the sandbox we were talking about a little earlier. Um, the the, the competi competition between different voices is not something that I've seen so far. Okay. I think we are offering spaces. So we've developed a recently a programming for the, the this current year that started in the in the winter. And so we are gonna have working groups on different topics. Uh, and we invite people to suggest different topics to us for various activities that we're putting together. I have not seen competing voices or, or people fighting for their interest at the detriment of someone else. So I think people are uh, receptive and uh, very engaged, and I'm so grateful for our community. Honestly, they're responsive. Every time we put a call to all, we have more than answer than we've envisioned. So it's great. Uh, but so we're working as a first step to tackle some some um, some working groups that do touch uh, identities that are either marginalized, uh, historically marginalized, or mi minorized, a minority cult, a group. Mm -hmm. And so, sorry for my English. That's um, okay. <laughs> so, um, so we want to make sure that uh, you know we're starting a journey that but it's not the end of it you know we're going with uh, the statistics and the statistics of the general population we started a a working group on disability and accessibility um, so we know statistically speaking that 20 to 25 percent of the general population is uh, is encountering disability in one way or another that's a large amount of people same for uh, ethnocultural minority groups uh, so it's a reality here uh, in the neighborhoods we um, we we serve and in our internal community as well. So these are two uh, working groups that are starting, that have started, and it was through a call to all and people. So we are accepting everyone because the point of those working group is to map the concern, the challenges, the blind spots that we have as an organization. So we're inviting people who have something to say regarding uh, disability, accessibility, ethnocultural minority groups, which, uh, you know, comprise language, faith, et cetera, et cetera, um, to come and talk to us about the barriers that exist in the organization, if you're a member of that group, of either, if you identify as someone in, uh, with a disability or in need of accessibility, or if you identify from a minority, ethnocultural minority group. And so 
people who come to who are welcome to to join us do not have to be themselves as someone who identify, but they can work with people who identify. You know, they can be um, witness of some challenges and barriers in accessing uh, services as an employee or as a as a user. So the idea here is to really create space for those voices. And so far, I must say, um, the 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 mindset is pretty much being open, being transparent uh, in a constructive way. We're not experiencing an, um, any process of uh, polarization, I should say. So, yeah. we're, And we're also, the way we set it up is that we really are trying to say, this is going to be a dialogue. So you need to listen. And, you know, if you bring a point of view, it's not to throw a brick into the water. You know, the idea is to how can we uh, listen to each other and learn from that and uncover blind spots and challenges and uh, in a constructive way. Yeah. I was, and that's, I guess, part of what I was wondering is, like, do you set up a, um, a kind of a framework where, you know, forces people to to listen, to acknowledge, you can agree to disagree sort of approach. Exactly. Um, but you have to also coexist, um, right? So, because um, I mean, yeah, statistically, you're going to find, I would assume, right, within your the walls of your institutions, you're going to have people who march in a pride parade and those that protest the pride parade, right, uh, working together. Um, and, you know, how do you find that sort of harmony um, where both, viewpoints, I guess, to some degree, um, can be, can, can, can coexist or, or, yeah, so. So, so yes, you're totally right. And I think one of the, um, the, the angles that I'm being mindful of is we're in a professional, uh, you know, setting. So this is really important because when you bring yourself to, you know, your whole self or yourself to work, um, you also have to be in that mindset. I'm coming to my place of work. Uh, so I have my professional hat on, which means sometimes the value we carry and the beliefs we have do uh, harmonize with the values of the organization and the overall mission, mm -hmm. and sometimes a little less, right? Yeah. And in our mission and our values, we have compassion. Use the user is at the center. So we want to be mindful of that. So if I talk about DEIB, it's not to change an individual in their private beliefs, uh, belief system, or you know, um, uh, so uh, values that they mm -hmm. hold dear, but in the professional setting, what do we know that is tied to best practice? Because this is what we do. And this is part of the mission we have, and this is sustaining the values that we chose as an organization. So I guess, you know, that's a fine balance um, that, but we're trying to, to, to um, put at the forefront, the importance of that, professional setting and informed knowledge within best practice for if I'm a, an occupational therapist, if I'm an admin um, worker. So what does it mean welcoming people with different identities? Um, so I have to put my personal beliefs aside to make sure that I give the best and the same welcome to everyone. Uh, so this is what we call equal access yeah. to, to, to care. And so, so this is, um, and I want to say, you know, from my experience being here a bit more than a year, the organization is quite diverse. So I feel this is not something we have had to, to, to remind people of, you know, I feel like people, they do, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm 
for lack of a, a, an English word, people do interact with diversity within their own teams every day, if mm -hmm. not with the general population that we serve. So it, it's, it's somehow understood that, you know, we are working under those values, supporting that mission. So I'm feeling very privileged to work with teams that are so um, well positioned in terms of, I'm not saying everyone is inclusive 100% of the time or that we're 100% equitable all the time in every facility and, you know, in yeah. every decision that we make, but I'm saying there's a sensitivity already. And so hopefully the work we do moving forward will be supported by you know, making uh, visible uh, the intangible um, practices that are already sustained by the, the employees and the manager. Yeah, well, and I think part of maybe what you, you're saying as well is that the, I guess the, one of the, the outcomes, I guess, of diversity itself is is creating a sense of, of openness and, and belonging and, and you're uh, expanding on, you know, why, why we should be seeking that diversity, because it does enable some of these things, um, and, uh, tolerance or acceptance in, in these spaces. Um, so maybe just to put you on the hot seat a little bit, Bev, uh, <laughs> and, and certainly I have no intention of putting you offside. And I know these can be very controversial. Um, and so I'm not trying to, to put you in a political crosshairs anywhere, but, you know, but you do live in Quebec, um, and Quebec has certainly made uh, headwaves, you know, um, across the country in terms of some of the different bills that have been brought in place uh, around language or, um, uh, you know, religious symbols and things like that. So how do you manage, I guess, an initiative um, as powerful as this in a larger social context, right, when or political context where those kinds of beliefs may not be shared within a larger uh, sort of space. How do you manage those two things? Because I, you know, and maybe taking the heat off of Quebec, it, it happens in every other province as well, where different governments are taking um, uh, positions that are perhaps a bit more populist in some ways, right? And so how do you reconcile those things? Interesting question, Dale. I think um, my first reaction as you started to get ready with your question was, I'm going to plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about as far as I'm going to go. But I, I think it's important to, you know, if we look at Bill 96 as an example, which is our French language law, we as an organization have the responsibility even within the context of this legislation to provide services to our users in languages other than French. So, uh, you know, within a context of a bill that legislates a, a language, um, there's also that, that aspect where we still have the ability, and not just the ability, but the responsibility to continue to provide language, you know, our services in the language of the user. Healthcare is so critical and so important, people really need to understand in the best way possible, you know, what they're dealing with and what their options are. And, and as an organization, you know, another one of our, our values has always been to do the right thing. We're quite well aware of what our true north is, and mm -hmm. we stand firm on that. So we will not discriminate um, based on anything for, for any reason whatsoever. And I think that's always been our guiding principle is just do the right thing for the right reasons. 
And I think that sets us well moving forward. And I don't believe we're in conflict uh, with any of the legislation that's you know proposed or in existence. So so far we're in harmony. I think. <laughs> Kudos. How's that for you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fair. I, I just right. I mean the. Um... Yeah, I mean, we 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 uh, we're sometimes find ourselves between you know opposing sort of uh, systems, right? And trying to um, do, I think, as you say, still find a way to do the right thing. You know, Christine said, you know, we we don't want to be polarizing in any way, shape, or form, and I I think we manage to navigate that quite well. And we're not going to please everybody all of the time. And there will be people with different views and opinions. But if we stick to our guiding principles, I think we're going to set ourselves well. Thank you. So that, I think, lines up with my next question, maybe um, for you, Christine. I mean, how do you... How do you align this work with, because um, you've, you've talked about mission a few times now, so how do you, um, and values even as well, right? So, I mean, how do you line it up with those things and um, and where does that flow within, you know, the work that you're doing? Is it an explicit or, or is it more, t- to borrow from Bev's um, last comments about being a, more of a North Star? Um, I think we are pretty explicit in our mission, vision, value statement. We're not creating something else that we're already doing. Uh, The organization has its mission, which is quality superior care, and we have excellence in research. I mentioned it earlier, excellence in teaching, Mm -hmm. innovation in practices and knowledge. So this is very the core of who we are. And we want to make sure that DIB and we want to make sure that it's understood that DIB is mission critical in that sense. So how can we, uh, you know, the challenges that are there in 2020 uh, regarding recruitment, retention uh, of employees to have better functioning teams who can better share tacit knowledge, uh, formal knowledge, who can better take complex decisions together, et cetera, et cetera. This has already uh, been shown as the way to the future. And we know that, you know, diversity can be either super good or super detrimental in, in terms of how teams work together for mm-hmm. achieving mission and, and uh, the mission of the organization. So we want to make sure that... Um, uh, well, for us, we gain a better understanding of how people are feeling regarding uh, equity and inclusion within their themes. And because we want to make sure we can support the mission of the organization, we don't need to uh, decouple. We don't need to add a different mission to DEIB because ultimately we're there to serve the organization and make sure that um, both our employees, because the mission is geared to our, the, the the people we serve in the communities, right? Um, so but we cannot just skip over the employees and the people from the internal communities, even their students. Um, we have a lot of students doing their internships every year and they eventually become some of them employees at RCS. So how can we make sure that the environment we foster and, and we create are uh, imbued in our, uh, you know, like a reflection of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, a place where people want to go work, a place where people want to get involved, engaged, um, want to, uh, want to support the mission and actually take the mission and carry it in their head and heart. So the only way for that is 
is not to skip that step where we take care of our team and we take care of the future of the the way we give the care and and ultimately serve the populations, the users uh, of our different services and community centers. So uh, I don't know if it makes sense to you, you know, feeling it, like I'm talking a little bit in circle here. No, no, it, it makes sense. And I'm just maybe um, curious as well whether, um, and, and maybe a question for you, Bev, I mean, did your your boards or your CEO or others ever contemplate making changes to your mission or, or vision, right? To, to bring some of this language into that, because I, I, I would say that I've heard from others who are looking at adopting some of these principles within their, organ their own organization, think that they need to be explicit and, and therefore mm -hmm. put language like this into their mission or vision statements or even their values. Um, and it's interesting the way you were describing your mission and vision, Christine, that um, you, you said it as, as that you believe that this is already in that language. So, um, so yeah, just maybe contemplate it. Was there the discussion or what would your advice be to others who think that they need to change their vision or mission to, to see these words? Um, no, no. In brief, I think Christine, Christine is right that it's already encompassed in our language without mm -hmm. having to necessarily be specific. But I think as we move forward also in our in our co-development, we will realize certain guiding principles and, 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 and statements that we may want to at one point incorporate, but I don't think we're there yet. And so I think this is why we're doing the work. We're doing the scaffolding yeah. of the discovery we're going to take. You know, how is that going to be tied to a strategic planning uh, in the future? We don't know, but for sure, you know, some of the values that are already um, the CS's values are pretty relate, pretty clearly related to DIB. So, um, oh, that's great. Thank you. Um, I'm also curious, just because we've had a, a couple of conversations on the HQ about things like just culture and psychological safety. Um, where do you think that the work that you're doing around DEIB sort of aligns with or complements um, initiatives like that? I mean, are they separate from or included in the work that you're doing? Or um, again, your perspective on that? Well, I think DEIB overlaps with a lot of mm -hmm. stuff that's already being done in organizations. Um, the question of cultural safety is uh, pretty clearly, you know, um, overlapping or it's an ingredient. You know, I, I think it's unclear still in the research um, how everything is tied together, but it is. So, um, so which, which one you know, comes first is not always clear in literature, you know, whether it's yeah. belonging, feeling fairly treated, feeling included, feeling psychologically safe within a team, you know, these are complex systems and constantly evolving systems when you think about human systems, right? So uh, is it in a micro level? Is it in the in the larger level of the organization, at the organizational scale? You know, it's unclear which has more impact. Um, so I don't know. I don't think I have a great insight regarding that question, you know, um, but I think there, there are elements in the same endeavor for yep. sure. Um, 
I have not researched it myself, so I cannot speak in t extensively about it. But one of the things that I'm really curious about is to see how this unfolds when we do our, our consultations, you know, how this unfolds in the results, you know, um, because it, it's tied to, am I able to speak my truth? Am I able to be um, uh, presenting my different identities at work mm -hmm. um, without fear of, uh, retaliation of some kind or without having less space in terms of decision making or being less heard or more heard you know I don't know so so for sure I'm curious to see how this is going to unfold in the results from, from our consultation yeah thanks Christine um, so Bev I, I mean I know that you're early in the implementation here of some of the work that you're doing um, but certainly, you know, another work that we're doing as well in a lot of focus on leadership development. Um, so I'm curious, how do you plan to integrate this into your leadership development programs or or other kinds of initiatives? And have you started that so far? Or where where does this fit within that? So a lot of work has been done so far. We've been talking and presenting at ver you know various keynotes at various opportunities, whether it's our, our leadership retreat where we kicked off the initiative and started started the discussion. We've held a DEIB week with many speakers and topics with uh, great participation for, for, for leadership, for employees across the board. Uh, we have these lunch and learn sessions that we call discuss and digest, and we have key panels and different experts that are coming to the forefront to have discussions with great uh, participation from our staff. They're, they're really quite engaged and whether they're making comments or asking questions in the chat or following up with emails and, and comments, it's been really gratifying to see how like interested and enthusiastic everybody seems to be. We also will be embarking on a, on a, a very specific senior leadership uh, program as well. I think it's important we start to, you know, pull the rug up and, and look at what are our blind spots. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we all like to think we're good and we do good and we have no biases, but I think that's not re really realistic. I think we all do. Yeah. And it's to be comfortable enough to be able to actually find out what they are and face them and, and talk about them because that will only help us get better. So we'll be starting some work in that area. We want also to create a training, a basic training that's not too difficult or, or, or heavy for everybody as they come on board and join our organization about who we are. Uh, that we're going to adjust and look at it, seeing how we can recruit more inclusively as well. You know, why set up systems and constructs that meet 80% of the needs when we could really look at trying to meet 100% of the needs? Then we do mm -hmm. so much better. So yeah. th there's a lot happening and a lot to come. And I think, you know, the focus groups also will help inform us as to what we need to be doing uh, and maybe where our blind spots are or, our, you know, what areas we need to work on to improve what we're doing. Yeah, and I'm curious as well, and whether through your consultation so far or, or some of the other work that you're planning in the area of leadership, um, and I'm just I'm thinking about it because we've done a recent episode on the podcast um, about allyship, um, and you know where some of that may be fitting in because I think as you're describing, you've talked about you know our biases and our blind spots and understanding, right, 
also that we, you know, different groups have privilege um, in that. So where is that going to emerge in terms of your um, your be your bequest, I guess, of your leaders to sort of say this is goal in helping to um, create safe spaces or um, to be an ally in other spaces and. Um, so yeah, just again, whether that's come up as part of your discussions and your planning. I think it's the overall learning and support we have to get, you know, provide to our people. Not everybody knows everything, you know, coming in and it's just part of our offering. And so as we continue to grow, you know, and develop along this initiative, there's going to be a lot of tools, support, information sessions, discussions, you know, learning and development. We're not born knowing everything. And, yeah. um, and I think it, it's an exciting path to take together as we grow together and learn together. Thank you. You're going to add something to that, Christine? Yeah, I didn't take notes. Uh, I'm afraid I lost some of it. Um, I wanted to say also that, you know, um, coming back to what I've mentioned earlier, we want to be true to the values of DEIB when we do the work. So um, at this stage, we're really mindful of trying to get input from leaders, mm -hmm. trying to get input from team uh, members to see, okay, where do they feel there is room for growth uh, for them in that sphere? And so we can provide something that really meets the need that are real. Uh, so so that's that's a bit of a preoccupation we have. And our organization is large enough that we can do pilot projects. Mm -hmm. So we're started we've started last uh, last uh, last spring summer uh, with the one directorate, so the nursing directorate. and so we are working to identify the needs of leadership in that directorate uh, regarding inclusive leadership. You know, because we are very mindful as an organization to give the right tool at the right time for leaders to do to be able to grow and mm -hmm. and feel like they're achieving um, their goals as a leader. Uh, but we decided we're going to couple that with DIB. So how can you be an inclusive leader? What does that mean? What do you think you need to know about diversity, equity, and inclusion to become the, a greater uh, inclusive leader? So we're in the process of unpacking those results, but we want to make sure that this will be followed by some tailored response to the needs of that leadership. Um, or, you know, it could be different responses uh, that will require different tools or different trainings or different opportunities. So, so we want to also be mindful of that iterative loop with our leadership to make sure that we do not do one thing that everybody has to be painted the same color, you know, in terms of, oh, this is what one wants. And so we'll just provide it for everyone. It could be accessible, but, you know, I think it's better if we make sure that we also take the time to consult and see what the needs are really on the, on the field. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I mean, and certainly those have been your, some of your key messages, I think, throughout this. So, I mean, I, I appreciate um, all that you've both shared so far. I, I know that you're, uh, you've come a long ways and you've done a lot, you know, in the, in the years that you've been implementing this, uh, Bev. Um, but I think as you've, you know, also made clear throughout is that you're still have much ahead of you as well and, and many things to learn and, and share back. So 
it'd be very interesting to have you back in another year or so and and hear what you you know what what were some of those things that have surfaced through those consultations that you know what were some of those blind spots or um and the the lessons and that you you've gotten from uh your different stakeholders throughout this um but we're not there yet so uh, but i do know in terms of conscious of time here that we are coming to an end of our conversation here for today um so any final words to either of you in terms of that you'd like to share with our listeners or others that may be walking in these uh, steps that you've you've taken so far, taken so far already? I, I think um, you know people always you know are calling us quite a bit like what are we doing? Can we hand over the magic formula? And I don't think it's a copy paste. Mm-hmm. Every every organization is unique, and you really need to take the time to make it your own. Don't rush through and feel the pressure. Oh, I need to have a policy. I need to check my box over DEIB, especially if you're not going to be walking the talk and the substance isn't going to follow the form, so to speak. So I think it's important to not pressure yourself to do this so quickly, but to rather take the time and do it right. And it's really going to be what your group feels or your team or your people feel that they need, like Christina's mentioned, what is missing in our organization? What are we not doing? What should we be doing better? How can we help? And I think that's, I think the best message I feel at this stage, certainly in where we are, that I would like to share with with others. And because I know that I've seen how people feel so pressured to come up with something so quickly because everyone's doing it. I need to do it too. Yeah. Take it slow and do it well and do it right. Good advice. Thanks, Bev. I, I would add something to this and I'm hundred percent, I 100% agree, you know, all tied to your values, to the DIB values while you do the work, you know, um, not rushing through is one thing, but all tied to those values of uh, of transparency, uh, you know, all the values that are tied to equity and inclusion. What does it really mean? Try to do everything in a coherent way. And so you'll see, you can't just go ahead and be ahead of yourself. You know, you really have to be mindful at every step in order to build something that is well embedded mm-hmm. everywhere in the organization, because this work has to be coherent. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. Right. So how are you going to weave this in policies and practices uh, and processes? You know, it's all in the back end. It's not super sexy. You know, it's not sometimes something you can just put on social media. Oh, we're reviewing this and that process. You know, it's not a a festival or it's not an event. But, you know, a lot of the work is is, uh, intentional and and tidious, tidious, tidious. Tidious. And so you have to be uh, mindful that some of the things will be uh, very gratifying overall at the end of the process, but they're also tied to values. And you're doing this even in the small corners when no one is looking, you know. So I think that that's also something that I would say is easy to, even if we're well-intended, to forget sometimes. Uh, You get a quick email. Why don't we do this? Oh, wait a second. We're saying we're a bottom-up approach. Did we consult? is this coming from our people or is just nice to have Mm -hmm. so you know just be mindful of what is it that we have uh, as value tied to DIB let's say that are also tied to the organization uh, for sure Uh, and then um, 
how does that help us develop what we need to develop? Because coherence is key, I think, in this work. And we want to avoid cynicism, disempowerment, because uh, the adventure is to bring more coherence in the culture. Yeah, well, it, yeah, and good advice as well, not to sort of make things up as you go along. Uh, <laughs> but, to, you know, but, but you know, you have been, I think, very intentional in terms of the work that you've been doing. And I think, um, you know, the other messages I, I take from what you've described is that there's a, you know, the, the humility that you, you bring and the curiosity and the, the openness, right? But at the same time, I think the, the other part that I certainly take away from our conversation is the in, uh, immense pride that you both take in the work that you do and the organization for wh whom you work. So, um, you know, kudos to you both and to your teams for, for taking this on in, in such, such a, a sincere and authentic way. Thank you. Thank I you. Think, I think humility is a good point. You know, when, if ever we talk back about the, the process we've been doing, you know, well, I think humility is key. That's true. Yeah, it keeps us grounded. So, um, so thank you. Um, I could chat with you for a long time. Um, but uh, yeah, I will say thank you again. Um, and But I do look forward to being able to continue the conversation with you again at some point in the future and, and continue to hear from your lessons and your journey. Thank you Thank so you. much. It was uh, very enjoyable. Thank you. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The HQ, and I'm Dale Sherbeck, your host. You can find this and other future episodes on the CHA Learning website, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think, so please follow us on our other social media channels. Thanks for joining us in this discussion today. Please join us next time.